Welcome back, everyone, to the Vacuous Vocation podcast. It is no longer the Geiganomics podcast because we're done with the economics. We got to shift gears a little bit. We tried it, and it was all right. Um, but there has to be... Okay, well, let me just say, answer the question of what does Vacuous Vocation mean? It really literally translates into empty pursuit. That's what I feel like this was for a little bit is just a way to pass the time, but it's not fruitful enough. Uh, The concept being that there's a bunch of podcasts and a lot of them suck. And I think that Geiganomics sucked. So we're doing a different podcast. We're doing the Vacuous Vocation podcast. And what it is going to be about is dropping white pills for people. It, uh, it's going to be a podcast about having optimism in the most challenging situations. And I think that's something that's really good and I could get behind. And um, that's, that's mostly the reason why we're shifting gears the way we are. But uh, also to introduce my friend, Nolan McCarthy, is... Um, well, you tell me, Nolan. Who are you? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, my name's Nolan. Uh, Matthew and I went to college together. Uh, we became very good friends. At least I consider him to be one of my good friends. I hope he does, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm a baseball player. Uh, played baseball at Oxy with Matt. I had the privilege of being his teammate. Um, played in high school, you know, and it's kind of come to define me at this point in my life you know I'm 23 years old and um, baseball has been for me an avenue of like finding new destinations going to new places meeting new people Um, and so at this point in my life I'm a baseball player (laughs) Um, I played at Oxy I currently play at Georgetown Um, I'm gonna keep pushing it and see how long how far I can uh, baseball can take me Um, but yeah that's what I'm doing with my life right now so I'm in grad school playing baseball um, but other than baseball, I've got a couple different things going. Uh, I'm trying to figure out some new hobbies in my life uh, to prepare for when baseball's gone. Um, I had a degree in ep- economics, uh, so did my <laughs> colleague Matthew from Occidental. Uh, I, I also had two minors in politics and history. Um, I'm studying sports industry management at Georgetown, so those are some of my academic interests. Um, I haven't had a lot of, like, desk work or, like, typical, you know, when you think of a job, like, you know, nine to five. I haven't had that in my life yet. Um, so as far as, like, my work life, there isn't really a lot to, to go off of. Uh, I've had, like, odd jobs and stuff, but i um, looking for a new career path, definitely. Um, personally, I've got a couple, bro- uh, <laughs> couple siblings, a brother and a sister. Uh, my family's from Portland, Oregon. Um, born and raised. I love it, the PNW to death, and um, I'm glad that I got to share that with Matthew a little bit. He came up and saw a little bit of Portland. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm an athlete. I'm super competitive. Uh, I love to learn. I love trying new things. Uh, recently, I've kind of, through some of my peers, I've gotten into combat sports a little bit, uh, dipped my toes in the water there. It's I really love it so far. And yeah, dude, I'm I just love learning. I love meeting new people. I try and stay positive. Um, yeah, and I love to ask questions. Thank you, Nolan. 
Uh, I want to begin with this challenging question. What do we do um, in the future with our lives? You were talking about you haven't had this nine to five yet. And I feel like a lot of people are in that situation of will, will this ever change? Will the nine to five concept be re- replaced by something else? I don't know. Um, yeah, those are tough questions, dude. I mean, your first one, like, what was it? What will we do in the future? Or what are, what are we going to do in the future? <laughs> Dang, man. I don't know how I'm going to answer that one. I'm trying to figure that one out for myself, let alone, like, the world, right? Like, uh, as I'm sure you're in the same boat, like, we all are on our own path through self-identity and, you know, discovering ourselves. Um, to solve that on a bigger scale is like, whew. Um, but it's a good one, you know, and it's things that we should be thinking about, like, should the nine to five is be a thing, you know, like, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Like, I don't know. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Well, um, I'm not sure if it's a, a good or bad thing, but it's definitely a thing. And it's, it's, I mean, it's super interesting because it goes back to Marx's philosophy of the... Uh, capitalist kind of using using time against people's bodies for employment and um, which I don't think is good or or bad per se it just is what it is and uh, disregarding that question what I really wanted to, to talk to you about was El Salvador is going to make Bitcoin legal tender the first country ever to use Bitcoin as actual legal tenor, legitimized, legalized money. Wow, didn't know that. Wow, that's awesome. That is. But that's that's what I'm talking about, is this concept of money and shifting, potentially. Um, but hey, I think that's something to be super optimistic with Bitcoin about, per se, is it's getting to actually be experimented on a, a countrywide scale to see what happens. Yeah, like backed by federal government, you know, that's, that's a big step. For it sure. is. Um, as when you're talking about the future of currency and, you know, Bitcoin as a national, the first thing that popped into my mind as a sports guy, uh, so that's the lens I see this through, is uh, NFTs. You know, uh, I'm, we could talk about that later or some more. <laughs> I don't know if you're planning on it, but um, wow, just trying to wrap your head around that concept is a whole different thing like um we were talking earlier before the podcast about you know pokemon cards and collecting and uh, how much they can go for you know almost like two hundred thousand million dollars for a card uh, um and it kind of you see that same effect in nfts right um people want to own something and be the only one to own it it's super rare you know it has a lot of value but uh, how do we assign that value you know like what gives it that value um there's a lot of questions that we talked a lot about in economics classes and undergrad. And, um, you know, we, we went back and forth with our professors and, you know, asked some hard questions and it's just, I don't know, even after all the discussions, it's, it just seems a little ridiculous to me that, you know, something that has no, it's not tangible could be worth so much. And obviously I understand like how it works and, um, why they're, they have value and why people will pay for it, invest in it and, uh, federal government would end up backing it but it I mean wow it just 
your it comes all back to the first question you asked, like, where's our future going? Like, it just changes everything we've known about money, or at least the generation in front of us has. And yeah, it's super cool to see, and I hope it works out. Um, but I hope it works out in a safe and um, easy, easy to access, and in a way that the older generation will understand how to use Bitcoin. You know, because that would be a problem, right? Like, if Bitcoin was the national currency of the United States, like what percent of the country would even know what Bitcoin is, you know, like, I wonder how El Salvador is going to do with that, like educating their public and stuff. What do you think about that? Um, all this stuff is, has to be learned from the bottom up rather than top down. Uh, people are learning about Uber before it was the taxi system. And if you can learn Uber, you can learn Bitcoin. We usually have most of our transactions be digital. So it won't be that hard to just switch over to another digital exchange system. Uh, but it is really interesting with money and, you know, with economics to answer the question of where does this value come from? It's all subjective. It's whatever people believe in will suffice. But it's also subjective desire. If I choose a painting that I like, that's because I like it. doesn't mean you have to like it. Mm-hmm. And so then it's this form of indirect exchange with a form of bartering system when you you know buy things or exchange for things um in different forms of of money per se because that is crazy if we change the system of money we use from dollars all we've known growing up is dollars Mm -hmm. and to to think to consider if that's going to change in our lifetimes is really uh well that is major effects and and things of theoretical interest that uh, like a lot of things are in the dollar system Mm -hmm. to think about everything going to be priced in bitcoin is interesting none the least yeah i think what you're touching on is like path dependence a little bit right like our nations have become so used to and like we create everything around having dollar bills um, how are we going to change from that? And it kind of changes us to that concept, right? A little bit, you know, like you think about ATMs dispersing cash, like, you know, that's no longer a thing. <laughs> uh, or like at the gas station, all those or just anywhere where you can insert dollar bills, like, and they have those cash dispensers, like to buy a $2 soda or something, you know, that's no longer a thing. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to rewire all of our vending machines, everything, you know? Uh, yeah becoming so used to something that your society can't do anything else. Yeah, path dependence a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. At least with money, I mean, people, a lot of people still use cash, but to see cash go away uh, due to, I mean, I got to think like, I mean, yeah, it could be the technology that comes in, but also from inflation, hyperinflation, that is very possible. Mm. but uh i don't i'm not sure how that dude yeah one thing i'm thinking about too is like that would make it really hard to falsify any tax information right like there's no more people shoving ten thousand dollars under their mattress right so like you can't really none of your finances are private anymore if the government you know if you have to buy bitcoin and everything you own is in bitcoin None right. of it's private? Like, 
per se, like, you know, say right now you were to stumble upon a, a bag of $50,000 in cash mm-hmm. and you just shoved it in, in that closet right there. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be taxed on that because nobody knows you have it. Yeah. But if cash isn't worth anything and Bitcoin's the only thing that is, you know, legal tender, then you have to exchange that 50000 for Bitcoin. And now if the IRS can see that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's no way to, this would make it easier for the government to tax its people is what I'm saying. Is with Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. If El Salvador moves to Bitcoin. Perhaps. Yeah, but the, the thing with Bitcoin is that even though it's taxable, they can't increase more of it. So people will feel the, the pain of being taxed way more severely than um, than e- an easy money currency can be taxed. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, what you had under like monarchies was when they incur their debts, the people were furious, especially to wage war. But the kings had to pay it back. At least under this system, people will held liable to see what they're taking rather than this invisible form of taxation, which is going through, you know, the printing system. Mm. And that's like stealing at night. You that's know, a good it's, point, yeah. It's unseen. Um, so Bitcoin helps reduce some of the severity that occurs with taxing of uh, our current monetary system. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Then the government can't just print out a bunch of money. You know? Yeah, dude. I mean, they could mine a bunch of Bitcoin, but... <laughs> but even then, there's, there's only 21 million Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And we have trillions of dollars in in the system today mm-hmm. yeah <coughs> excuse me no it's interesting wow it's el salvador good for them dude it could be a come up country in the next 10 years or so this is the whole thing okay so we're gonna do a little uh <laughs> uh travel back okay we'll our freshman year at oxy we took making economic sense mm-hmm. with professor jurgen Mm-hmm. The book that was our so-called textbook for that course was The Road to Freedom by Peter Boss. Peter Boss talks about in this book that all it takes is one city, one free trade city to become so prosperous that other people will be like, we're dumb for not replicating that model of a society. And that one free trade city is going to be pretty much replicated, not replicated, but the system that they use. And so... What's cool is that if you were talking about, you know, the abolition of slavery to someone in 1845 and you told them like, hey, slavery is going to be abolished in 20 years. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're crazy. Slavery has been around for thousands of years. It's not going away in 20 years. Um, But then it gets abolished. And now that was a huge major step for human freedom. Now the next major step, I think in part with the technological revolution and the more individual sovereignty that happens exponentially, we're gonna the next na- major leap for human freedom is gonna come with the abolition of the state. And it's possible that if you have these free trade cities, you will totally dismantle the myth that we need a uh, the lesser of two evils. This evil system doesn't have to exist, um, and that's incredible to consider as well yeah that is pretty crazy to think about like almost like a prophecy per se from uh i think not prophecy but just equilibrium equilibrium of prosperity Mm -hmm. results to human freedom 
Mm-hmm. Taxation doesn't, you know, even democracy cannot coexist with freedom. It, it can't, dude, because it, it's, you know, this idea that uh, you're tied to the will of people. And if the majority votes to take your bike, they get to take it because that's just law, rule of the majority. But that's not more moral and that's not more conducive to human freedom. Actually, human freedom is being able to decide what kind of bike you get and what you do with it. And not like in any immoral sense, but if you want a blue bike over a red bike, that should be your choice. Uh, anyways, I think with, with Bitcoin, but Bitcoin isn't the ultimate monetary form, I think, for the future. There's going to be different forms of money that will be better. But it's a major step towards a sound money. A sound money with a limited government, like a fucking ab- abolished government, you have so much potential. At a city level, all you need is a local government, which doesn't, you know, wage wars or be like a super bureaucracy. Where, uh, Anyways, El Salvador has potential. But I think a lot of these countries, these smaller countries, are just going to be like, dude, let's also go on Bitcoin. And then they'll become super prosperous. And then it'll be this, you know, gradually, then suddenly wave of, I don't know, it could be a long time, but. That is, that is incredible for people and their freedom and having, you know, freedom over their money. Right now, we don't even own our money. We get taxed on our income, which says that, you know, the, the, the IRS, the state has a, a higher claim to our money than we do. And dang, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, politically on, like, when we talk about the government, I think you and I see very similarly, like, we don't agree on everything, <laughs> but we agree on a lot of things. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too into it, but I think that the government is proven, as you've alluded to, to be a not an effective organization. Like you look at all, and we talked about this in that class and a couple classes we took. Like, what is the worst place you have to go ever? Ever the DMV, right? <laughs> the least efficient, you know. And we talked about why it is that way because of the incentives, you know, they're actually incentivized to work poorly so that they get more money from the federal government. Right. So like the worse they work, the more aid they get. So the better they do, the less money they get. So they're actually why would they want the DMV line to go quick? Right. (laughs) They want you to sit there for hours. So it seems like it's doing bad. Um, So anyway, that's just one example of the government run entity that I think is terrible and how the incentives are off. Um, So I agree with you on that. Um, but how I see it is I'm not totally sure I'm ready to abolish the government um, because I think that will, first of all, I think that would take a long time. Um, but you could be right. You know, maybe this guy from the from 20 years in the future is telling me that there's going to be no more governments. And I'm just like, oh, you're crazy. Um, I think it will take some time. Uh, but I in my heart, I believe that the government is just its incentives are flawed so we should try and make it as small as possible uh instead of giving them more money to you know solve big problems they've proven that they suck at solving problems <laughs> like time and time again like covid just another example like everyone should agree with me on covid like they sucked at solving covid like or how they responded to covid or whatever you want to call it like awful job and just like i feel like every time we give them a problem to solve because we pay them, you know, we pay them enough. Like, they take of ha- basically half of every American's pay- paycheck, right? Like, that's a lot of dough. Like, you guys should be able to solve pretty much anything we put in front of you. And they've just proven time and time again that they can't. So, 
in my opinion, taxes need to be just cut way down. Like the government programs need to be cut, um, just because they've proven that they can't do it. And like that money that you would be putting back into Americans' pockets could then be invested into actual private programs that work. You know, and I know that's a big thing um, that you believe in is privatize everything. Um, come, you know, bring competition into it, um, which is not president government entities, and so. Yeah, I think that's our biggest point of agreement is that the government sucks. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, people tell you, you know, you're 23, 24, in your early 20s, mid-20s. Why should I listen to you? What would you say to that situation? That's a good question, you know, and I would probably be asking the same question if I were you listening to me some 20 three-year-old schmuck you know (laughs) but I mean at the same time we see the world through a much different lens than you do and just because we're young doesn't mean that we can't um you know grasp and interpret and um kind of swallow the information and the people and the places that we've been um and put them into sound arguments or into sound you know thoughts complex thoughts um and just that you might have a few more of those because you're older and you've been to more places, you've met more people, doesn't mean that what we're saying about this topic isn't right and isn't a valid opinion. Um, And for me, I try and think all the time about what lens I see the world through, you know. Um, And for me, it's a a white boy from the Pacific Northwest, um, Catholic uh, upbringing. I went to Catholic school and, you know, I spent some time in L.A., I spent some time in D.C., New York. Um, but yeah, I'm an athlete, you know, uh, I was college educated and yeah, this is the lens I see the world through and I'm sure it's different than the one that you see yours through slightly. And from our viewers, I'm sure it's much different. Um, and so just as much as I would love to hear what Geiger's lens sees the world through and our viewers do, I think that there is something to be learned from everyone's lens that they see the world through, especially in the United States where everyone's vote counts as the same, you know? So uh, my vote means just as much as yours. And so understanding each other and understanding why we feel that way is important. It's interesting. What about you? How would you answer that question? Uh, I kind of like the, the patience approach. It's like, take some time. Um, there is, I think it's just purely psychological, but that idea that if you're older, you must be better just by default. Um, which is something to kind of, you know, think about and question. Uh, so, but I don't know. I think, I think, I think we are pretty accurate on our perspective of uh, social cooperation, um, and and how that's organized. But anyways, we'll see. I mean, we'll see in time, I guess, of uh, what the equilibrium of things are. But I guess with the age, yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean, you just you just consider opinions. You just be stay open-minded. But I think you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean we're... we're... Yeah, I mean, we can have experiences just like they can. <laughs> um, one thing that... One big advantage they do have over us, though, is that they have more things to compare it to. So, like, when it's something that we experience for the first time, we might think is like some big, huge event. They might have other experiences that prove them like, nah, this is pretty regular or something like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you're definitely right. We will always be ignorant to (laughs) 99.99% of information in the world. 
just by the fact that we can't learn everything. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, and everyone does know something that you don't. Or at least you can learn from one thing that you can learn. Uh, at least. So oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. That's a, Yeah, that's a good point. This is way, like, we will only know 0.01% of information or less, you know, like, craziness. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. So... Tell me, what what do you think your next passion will be in life? Because um, I would put my money on it being playing baseball. <laughs> but do you want to play baseball for the rest of your, of your life? Wow, we're shifting gears here a little bit. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, every kid dreams about being a pro baseball player at some point in their life, whether it was their five years old or, or every serious baseball player, I should say. Um and so I feel at this point in my life, like I do, I'm kind of walking that crossroads of, um, do I hang him up? Do I push even harder? Cause I've come so long or do I, I mean like what's right, you know, um, financially is a big part of it for me because I, you know, I'm in grad school now I have loans from undergrad and now I have grad loans. So, you know, some money coming in would be nice. Um, but I mean, baseball is just, it was my first love, you know, like, I I don't know what I would do without it, you know, I talked, you asked me who I was, and I said I was a baseball player, you know, <laughs> taking that away is going to be really, really hard, um, but it's inevitable at the same time, so, uh, well, I've got some decisions to make, this summer I'm going to be playing some baseball against some pretty good dudes, and um, if I do well enough, hopefully I'll get an opportunity professionally, um, but if I don't, then, you know what? I'll be okay with it, and we'll see. I've got a couple options. I could play another year of college, or um, I could hang him up and get a job. So, yeah, I guess in a couple months we'll know more. Um, but I think that my next passion in life after baseball, I'll take the question like that, um, it's probably going to be my job. Um, I'm very competitive, and I take what I do very seriously, things that I like to do, that is. <laughs> um, I can get lazy with the things I don't care about. <laughs> but the, um, right now, that's baseball, and after baseball's gone, I think, I hope, that I will get passionate and competitive and um, really into my job uh, so that I can succeed at it like I have on the diamond. That's the plan. But um, finding a job that really motivates you is hard, you know. Um, I've seen a lot of my friends look go through that and looking for a job and not finding it, and <laughs> I hope that's not me. What about you, Matt? What do you think you're... You found a really good passion in jiu-jitsu, I know. Um, I, it's really, like, taken over your life post-baseball career for you. Um, and I actually have gotten into boxing a little bit. Not a lot, but... Um, yeah, I've kind of dipped my toes in the water while, when I can with baseball season. And, um, yeah, I mean, tell me more about that. And other than jiu-jitsu and podcasts, what else uh, is going on in your life? Well, currently, uh, I'm looking to hopefully go live in Spain for a year and study some more economics and philosophy and stuff uh, under a certain professor out there. That would be awesome. Um, but for the most part, yeah, just trying to like take life slower, I guess. Because one thing that I heard that I really like is life's too short to not do what you love. And to love everything you do is super hard. But it, I think it's possible. If you can consider it, then it's possible. Um, so, 
I'm trying to figure out how I maintain <laughs> a position in a society with like, you know, being able to afford that as well as continuing to pursue the food for my soul and not get pressured into doing things that I really do not care to do at all. Um, mm. Which is tough because there are things in life you got to do that you don't necessarily want to. But uh, I think there's a way to get past doing things like that you really don't want to do. I don't know how to explain it other than just avoid it if you can. And if you can't, just roll with it. And if you can turn everything into a joke, if you cannot get upset with anything in life, I think that's that's a huge part of it. It's because you, you also got to accept where you are in life and in time and your position in it. Um the part of the world you're you're in that's crazy too uh yeah dude sometimes i think about that i think this is what you're talking about like just of all the people in the world like i was dropped in portland oregon and that's where i was born that's like me you know like i don't know if that's what you're talking about like embracing your role like where you are and like at this point in my life i'm in huntington beach with you doing a podcast and embracing that but like it's crazy to think that there's, of all the people that I could have been, like, this is who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you ever think about that? Sure. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy idea. But. Okay, this is a, a crazy idea that I'm going to drop on you to help help me figure out. Heard about this theory in the philosophy of mind. What is the mind-body connection? Uh, one theory that was proposed was, you know, we have a soul. I think this was Descartes and the soul is separate from the mind and the body, but that's kind of what makes us who we are and alive. This other theory was about how we could be this nodes and connection system where it sends, you know, a connection to a node and these strings of, of connections and nodes make our thoughts. And then we have thoughts that become memories. And what if, humans are this just almost circuit of connections and nodes and that that is life because i don't want to be no no i know what you're saying i know what you're saying i you know uh this is just a, a theory that i'm just so unknowing about and it's really weird because i don't want to de-signify you know the value of human life but no, no, I also don't want to get into like the metaphysics of stuff that we can't even comprehend. Um, but isn't that weird? Like, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to if we had a, like a really really smart doctor guy in the room right now who could tell us all about like the signals that your brain sends your your um, your finger so it can do this. You know, like somebody that could really explain the science of that. That would be interesting to hear. Oh, yeah, that would, we could bounce a lot of questions <laughs> off him right now. <laughs> but uh, I like that, though. That's a good idea. Like, Because think about it. Like When you touch a hot stove, like hot, hot, hot becomes your first thought. And that's a node in your body sending a signal to your brain. Or I mean, I know obviously that's a, like a, a nerve, right? But like, and then you remember not to touch the stove. Like, that's a memory stored, like you say. Like, And it's 
from all of your different yeah that's I don't know that's an interesting thought I haven't heard that one before yeah but uh, this concept of of what happens when we die is it that our body like sends a soul out of us or do we just kind of go into that long sleep a long sleep <laughs> Uh, no, uh, what did you say earlier today? You said, oh, oh that was, <laughs> that was a line from oh, Peaceful man. Warrior, one of my favorite movies, but in regards, death is, what is, what is yeah, yeah, in regards to death, <laughs> this was a quote from the character Socrates, it says, it's a, a little bit more radical than puberty, but nothing to get particularly upset about. I think that's just a beautiful <laughs> way to look at life is like, damn, you live and you die and just be happy with it. And that. I did. I mean, Dude, I don't know. That's an awesome quote, bro. <laughs> oh, a little bit more radical than puberty. Yeah. Just a little bit. It is beautiful. It's just... So what do you call it? The long sleep? Yeah. What about the nodes thing? What if, like, it just... All of our nodes just, like, turn off? Right. And then what? that's the sleep, I guess? <sighs> Perhaps. And then, like, when you die, like, you know how, like, you kill someone in the heart or in the head, like... Those are like the pressure points of our nodes, or like the node central HQ. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they just cease to get the energy. So then, if required. you like shoot someone in the heart, the nodes can't no longer exist because they need the that blood. Was the node, yeah, exactly. That's their energy. It's energy. And so you die. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, with the whole, you know there's a bullet in your chest part of it too mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah dying is a weird one <laughs> dying yeah wow crazy concept where do you think you'll go when you die where do I think I'll go or what do you think will happen I think Walk it is I think it. yeah so I think it's the long sleep um you know talking about jujitsu you can be put unconscious or just get that tunnel vision until you're gone and you're knocked out um, or you're put out. And that's, you know, the blood ceases to get to your brain. And I'm just thinking, like, if that's really, you know, you go you go from that state of awareness to a state of unconsciousness to a state of death in a full transition of suffocation. Um, but to be in that middle state of unconsciousness, you're really like... You, you don't even know what's going on, you know? And if death is anything like that, then it's just, uh... The long sleep. Mm-hmm. That's what's weird. You just, so that's what you think is... It's like... It's just like a... Nothingness. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean... Forever. I, I don't know, dude, because I really don't think that... That everyone has a soul. I just don't. I, yeah, no, it's like... Wow, wow, wait, tell me more about this. I don't think I've heard this one. This belief that we have souls comes from, um, you know, it's all over ancient times, but it was the religion of uh, keeping, you know, your family, your lineage alive with these ceremonies. And the only way they can be around still is if they have this soul complex thing. I mean, I'm really just trying to, like, normalize cult ideology here. Um, <laughs> especially with Bitcoin. Um, but, anyways, I just don't know, dude, because, like, do animals have souls? 
why are humans special in that regard? Well, if you go to of the, the metaphysics, people, we're the, clearly the superior. Animals have souls, like Native Americans. They believe animals had souls. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. There's beliefs that like planets have souls, like the oh, really? objects. People believe that. Like objects have souls and and stuff. Like every there's I forget what it's called, but I think it's like a branch of philosophy or a religion or something where they think everything is like animate or not animate but but like can be alive in some sense whoa i don't know about that one but right i mean obviously <laughs> obviously they're correct but <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's it's fact but um yeah wow that's an interesting one so you don't think that all human but you think some humans have souls that's the thing if i admit to i thinking some have souls then who am I then, to say yeah, that I know the right percentage? Has, no clue. Yeah. No clue at all. That's why I'm like, I just question it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do, because I could believe that, but I don't. So I <laughs> that... Dude, it's hard to believe stuff that you don't have evidence on. Like, I'm very, like, I'm kind of a cynic, to be honest with you, Matthew. And I kind of am a skeptic of a lot of things until I really see it from my own eyes or see it or when someone I really trust you know vouches for it um and yeah soul evidence is really lacking <laughs> and as well as a uh, recommender too so <laughs> it's hard for me to buy in on souls as well I mean I come from like I said I come from a catholic upbringing I went to a catholic school for elementary and high school so I've got a pretty good grasp on the catholic faith um not to say that I'm you know, fully buy into everything. I, I'm not even sure, you know, there is God, you know, sometimes I have my own questions. And um, Do I agree with everything in the Catholic Church? Absolutely not. <laughs> do I agree with most things with the Catholic Church? Probably not. But I understand them very well. Um, and they, according to them, you know, like, we all have souls and we all, you know, if you are a good Catholic or a good Christian, you go to heaven, you know, and it's, it's the best, you know, it's a party up there. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That's just always seemed so far fetched to me, and especially coming from, I mean, this might be a hot take, but, but like people that just, just Catholics and Christians in general have such like hot takes about some things. Like, we're gonna trust them on this one. Like the most far fetched claim of all that. Like, oh, once you die, like yeah, if you're a good Catholic and you do this, this, and this, like you'll go to heaven. Like the same people that were telling us we had to like buy penance to go to heaven. Like the same, you know, just like. It's craziness to me like and everyone just buys into it like you I remember as a little kid like going to this church like hearing that about heaven and like of course like you know as you try and swallow it and like as you get older you start to question it a little bit I remember one day I walked into church and it was just packed you know like people of all ages and um, sizes and colors you know and they're all just believing and praising and worshiping and they're having a great time and I was just like dude everyone here believes in this god that nobody's ever seen and like there's no evidence exists and just like what like what are we doing here like (laughs) especially because mass for me as a kid wasn't fun you know like it was an hour of kneeling and quiet and horrible (laughs) as any kid would say right um so yeah it just didn't make any sense to me um so i've had my own doubts but as far as souls go i mean i do believe in ghosts so i I don't know how that ties into it i feel like if you believe in ghosts you have to believe in souls Cause what is a ghost other than like a a soul and a demented soul or something something, 
But, or is it just like... With a pillow sheet on top of it. <laughs> and two eye holes. Um, I don't know, man. I don't even know if I believe in ghosts, like physical apparitions, as much as like signs or like spirits or like, for example, like my dad, who I, it's kind of crazy and tells wild stories sometimes, but I believe him on this one. Like his dad died when he was 16 years old and he used to work on the roof of his house all the time. Um, you know, you'd hear his boots walking up on the roof and in my dad's whole life, he said. And then after he died, occasionally he and all the siblings can vouch for this, that they would hear his dad's boots walking on the roof, like a couple times like this happened. And so, I mean, I believe that, you know, like, but is that his soul? You know, like this is where it gets fuzzy for me. Like, I think that some things can happen, um, did they all imagine that, you know? Like, I don't think so. On the same night? I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you don't sure. believe in ghosts? I don't. you don't believe in souls. Yeah, correct. Mm. I think. Not correct, but I think, yeah, I agree with that. Uh-huh. Wow. So you think that, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You think every person that's ever had a ghost story, ever, is lying? Mm. Or imagined it? I would say perhaps... I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't, like, prove anything. This, is, just, this is all speculation. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know, man. I just don't. I just don't get it. Like, I yeah, it doesn't... I don't even make... I can't comprehend it. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I just don't even know what that would be like, that experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never had a ghost interaction before either, but I just feel like there's so many people that have ghost stories, you know, and I people just, that will swear by them. Yeah. That for all of them to be made up it seems crazy. Well, Unless if it's like part of human nature that like some people like imagine things after they lose a loved one or something, you know. That could be another thing. And like only some human beings are wired this way. Like they grieve this way. They see ghosts or they imagine their loved ones. And not all do. So that's what ghosts are. Does that make sense? Sort of. I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> oh. We're getting we're getting off topic here. Ghosts. I like uh, this format though of not having a topic, a road to follow mm. for conversation. No, yeah, it's good. It's Don't want to be too scripted, you know. Ghosts, man. I hope I see a ghost one day. Yeah. I think it would be fun. You don't think it would kill you? Like, just, like, out of a horror film? Mm, I don't think so. I hope not. (laughs) I think that, you know, people are so terrified of ghosts, but if it's a ghost, what can it really do to you? Like, is it going to be able to, like, can I touch it, you know? Like, can it touch me? It's a great question. (laughs) It's the questions we need answers to. Yeah, I would definitely be scared, no doubt about that. I'm not trying to say, I'd be, oh yeah, I'd punch him in the face. Like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But, oh yeah, I hope I wouldn't be scared. Too scared. Do you believe in any other mythical creatures, Matthew? Bigfoot? Do you think dragons were real? No. I mean, no. I, as much as I like the Greek gods and stuff, it's just... Uh, mm, the Greek gods are awesome, yeah. No. No. 
skeptic. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, probably no dragons. <laughs> Bigfoot? Mm. Yeah, but you live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. It's true. By the beach? Yeah, there's no Bigfoot down here. No, no chance. You think Bigfoot is out there? <laughs> I'm gonna go on the record on this podcast and say no. <laughs> Wrong. You asked my dad, <laughs> he would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard many stories about Bigfoot sightings, but I just can't believe them. Mm. If Bigfoot were to be real, this is a crazy take. I believe that Bigfoot would be aliens. Time-traveling, or time-traveling humans. That's my take. I think that they, in the future, if time-traveling exists, which we should know about by now if it did, because it would come back, right? Right, but also that's a crazy another thing. <laughs> but I think that Bigfoot are time travelers who disguise themselves as these creatures when they time travel so that they don't get caught and fuck up the, you know, the whole timeline of events that's gonna happen. And you look at humans; they get taller and bigger over hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And you look at these Bigfoot like prints that they got. There's tons of different sizes they're all over the place like there's different size spotting ones there's huge ones there's big hairy ones they're spotted in different parts of the world they're always running away from humans they try not to be seen there's no we haven't found any like bigfoot like corpses buried in the ground or anything you know like we haven't found any dead bodies of them so that would explain that they're not part of our like environmental uh, food chain right we found no traces of them in that like so that would explain all of that. They're not around very often. They just time travel when something needs to get done. They dress up like a big old Bigfoot or whatever. They do their thing really quickly, and then they leave. And so when we spot them, they, like like that one, he's like walking away. He's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, a human saw me. He's like, I gotta go, I gotta go before I fuck up the timeline. And then he goes back to the future. That's a very interesting take. I like that one. It's very far-fetched. <laughs> and I don't expect any of our viewers to believe. Listen, the only way that but can be true that I, hey, hey. is if you can back up how time traveling works. I can't. I, can't, I cannot do that. <gasps> but maybe in 10,000 years they can. And these people are from 10,000 years. When Earth is destroyed. And this is part of a social studies class in 12,000 on a different planet they say this is how our ancestors grew trees on earth remember earth <laughs> and they go let's go to go, let's go back to earth the reason why i don't think time travel can ever occur is because you need to go back in time uh think of dance or jujitsu it's momentary it's a performative art and then it vanishes forever and unless it's a recording, that's captured time and the, the format of this, you know, on this disc and the, like a camera captured it, like a photograph. That's captured, a moment captured in time, but that's all it is. It's just this photo. And I don't think that you can literally go back into something that has been a moment. That has already been captured. That Yeah, that has already occurred, but, but not captured in a, some system like a camera. Oh, 
or a machine. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, dude, what? A computer creates worlds in a machine that you can travel in and out of. So maybe that's where time travel, the what concept exists. What if we are exists. in one of those machines right now? A simulation. Like the Matrix. Then we could go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bigfoot are the people running the simulation. That's crazy, dude. Wow, that would be a... What if... Holy, Bigfoot Big are the people pulling the strings. What if Bigfoot... <laughs> no, no, no. What if, you know, like in the Matrix... Oh, baby. Uh, once you get unplugged, when they go into the Matrix, they try to be, avoid crowds. What if Bigfoot were like the saviors of the people, and they're like, we're trying to get all these people out, but we just can't be seen because we're their enemy. Like oh. we look at Bigfoot and we think that's a monster, that's an alien, a foreign, to a foreign figure. capture a video of it, like they do in the Matrix and call them. Yep, yep. Oh. We're, the, we're just all we're the useful that's idiots awesome. of awesome. Agent Smiths. We're oh just. Oh my god. Or just, uh, you know, outfits for him to try on and use. And, and any time we see Bigfoot, we're programmed to go, Oh my god, it's Bigfoot! Yeah, yeah. Literally, because you would never, ever see Bigfoot and just be like... If I'm walking with you, you would never see it and be like... And just not tell me. No. Never! <laughs> never! <laughs> wow, that's a crazy concept, Matt. I love that one. I love it, that one. This is what's interesting. is We've been <laughs> so psychologically uh, manipulated into believing that we should serve humanity... And we're just hostile to anything foreign that's not a human. We're humanists, unfortunately or fortunately. It's true. But if we see a Bigfoot, we're like, Dude, that's a Bigfoot. Like, that's not a human. I'm going to take a picture of it. Or something. Like an animal. That's why we like zoos. As long as it's not humans in cages. Well, some sick people like humans in cages for, you know, marijuana possession. But that's another, <laughs> that's another subject. Um, Bigfoot, we're just like, damn, that is an animal that's, you know potentially hostile to humans let's take photos of it and bigfoot could be the savior of humanity i love that take that's it wow that's awesome that's really good stuff i hope that that's the case and bigfoot will one day save me in his huge fuzzy arms you know unplug me and then i'm a bigfoot this is what this podcast is about a vacuous vocation where it's an empty pursuit of something completely unnecessary, perhaps, <laughs> but there could be hidden gems. Oh, I hope some of our viewers out there really connected with this one. Yeah. I think maybe we, we might have struck a couple people. Yeah. And that's what this is about, is taking opinions in an optimistic perspective to hopefully make your life optimistic. Um, Nolan, thanks for coming on. Anything else you got? Like, is up? No, I would just say, keep an open mind out there. Keep on, keep uh, your eyes open for Bigfoot at all times. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun, Matt. Thanks for uh, having me on here. I hope I gave you something good. My pleasure. Thank you.